If you're listening to this because you believe in human-caused climate change and you've signed the petition and all that, it's good to have you. I'd like to extend, though, an even warmer welcome to those people that fall into other groups. Like, one, you know nothing about this issue, but you want to learn more. Or two, you're listening to this episode reluctantly, maybe even angrily, because you don't really believe in climate activism. This is my absolute favorite part about the podcast. It's a place where we can have an even-keeled, non-political conversation where the only goal is to just dig deeper. I encourage all of you to listen to the very end because that's where the good stuff comes out. All right, let's dive in. And we are back. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and welcome to Arc City. Arc City is presented by Ski Racing Media. This episode is sponsored by Magic Mind, which I'll talk about later. And I'd like to shout out Sync Performance, who has a rich history of supporting American independent athletes. And this year, that includes me. We'll get right to it. First, I just want to say thank you, all of you listening right now. I love that I get to make this podcast and that people listen to it. Plus, it's a way for me to make a tiny bit of money to help cover the cost of being a non-US ski team, self-funded athlete trying to break onto the World Cup. So thanks for listening, for subscribing, for giving it a five-star review, if you feel that way, uh, for, for saying hi on the mountain and for telling your friends about it. It all helps grow Arc City. Now, Julian Schuter is 25 years old. He is the 2022 Austrian national champion in Super G, and he scored several World Cup top 30s last season, which was his first year on the circuit. But he's making headlines because of his climate activism in alpine skiing. Schuter helped release a second petition to FIS a few weeks ago, which caused a huge ruckus. Everyone's debating it. I've got good friends on both sides of the issue. I mean, it's it's a spectrum. It's not just two sides, but big names are getting involved publicly. The pot is stirring. So while the soup is hot, I must investigate. I tried my best to stay objective and ask the hard questions. You'll have to be the judge of that. And, and lastly, stick around afterwards. I've got a few retrospective thoughts that are worth listening to. Now, without further ado. Yuli, wait, I want to make sure I say this right before we start. Um, is it Julian Schuter? Yeah, it, you, I mean, it's pronounced Schuter in German, but... Um, it, okay, okay. Like, you don't have that, that sound to... Yeah, I I it's, don't really have that sound. No, it's it's okay if you if you call me a shooter. That's okay. that's all right. All right, I'll try it again. Yeah. Uh, Julian Schuta, welcome to <laughs> Arc City. <laughs> I didn't get the I didn't get the last name. Awesome right again, job. Did I? <laughs> um, um. Yeah, you you got it better than most English speaking folks. So. Good job. Okay. That's good. That's good. Well, to the people listening, uh, this is an exciting interview for me and hopefully for you too. But we've been talking about climate change. I mean, for us, our whole lives, basically. But 
uh, recently, you, you know, there's there's been more talk about it just because we're watching the glaciers recede and um, you specifically are working on petitions and activism, climate activism, I would call it. And uh, yeah, I want you to tell me kind of what you're up to climate wise right now. Mm, I mean, I'm up to a lot of things um, climate wise, I guess. Um, I would call myself more a climate advocate, but I think that's um, not big of a difference. Um, Activist is also good. And we don't have that um, kind of word, um, um, advocacy or an advocate in German. So in German, I call myself a climate activist. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, Last year, um, one year ago, pretty much, um, I had this this idea because I read a book which was called Tools for Grassroots Activists by Patagonia and there was one chapter in it uh, which was about how to make a strategy for kind of a activist um, action campaign and I felt inspired by that and um, actually more by fun for fun I I wrote uh, this uh, strategy um, which made me think about what could I do or where could I use my influence and who could I target, stuff like that. And I also started researching um, about FIS and what FIS is doing about climate change and I found mm-hmm. not that much. So um, <laughs> I wrote the strategy, came up with the idea of an open letter by athletes to um, the federation. And um yeah at first cool. by fun for fun and then i I started uh, writing a few emails to um the federation um if i have overseen something or um if they're doing more than i could find but um that didn't turn out that well either so i thought okay we we could write an open letter and try um to make this happen and yeah, yeah. That's how it started. And you um, did. You wrote the open letter. How many signatures did you get? Um, we have more than 500 from active FIS athletes. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, that was like the first um, the first big campaign I launched, I guess. Um, the organization Protect Our Winters helped me with that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was... It was uh, pretty a success. Um, we had a lot of media coverage. Um, I think that is because we had a few big names on the list, or many big names, to be honest, like Michaela Schifrin, um, Alex Kilde, and so on. And um, yeah, and now we started a few days ago. We started like the second round of this campaign. Um, we adapted the letter a little bit and made a big petition out of it and uh, so that everyone can sign it. Um, we we try to uh, frame it like that the whole skiing community and winter sports community um, is demanding more climate action from FIS. Mm-hmm. And 
to say it kind of to to kind of say that not only athletes are interested in um real climate action but also the fans and yeah we started this um petition a few days ago at and today we have 23,000 signatures wow that's a lot and so this is athletes and fans now huh the 23,000 yeah that's everyone yeah. We That's we really had cool. we put it on on change.org, which is a petition platform. Yeah, and we unfortunately we cannot control um, how these people signing are involved in the sport. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's uh, the price you pay for having a lot of signatures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So looking at this uh, petition, the 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 print that I'm reading on it is the four bullet points. And it says the global POW movement calls on FIST to POW, protect our winters. One, implement a target-based sustainability mm-hmm. strategy, including a roadmap to achieve a 50% emissions reduction by 2030. Two, publish FIST's environmental impact with full transparency. Three, adapt the competition calendar to reduce the impact of travel and respect the, clean, the changing climate. And four, use the FIS's political influence to advocate for climate action at a governmental level. So from my understanding, FIS hasn't been that good at taking climate change head on. But from talking to lots of people, you know, people have different definitions of what it means to tackle climate change, what climate change is. So I have you here today to ask the tough questions uh, I know you're not a scientist, but I know that you've read a lot more about this than I have. And I know that you've had this debate a lot more than I have. So I, I guess anyone listening, Probably. like we're, we're going to try, we're going to try to stick to the facts. I know that's a big thing these days is not everyone agrees on the facts. Um, but Julian, if, if it's okay with you, <laughs> let's just start at the beginning. Like, is climate change real? Uh, yeah, let's start at the beginning. That's a, a good idea. I mean, yeah, uh, the uh, science says that climate change is real, and they're um, pretty sure about it. So, I I have I, I have no real reason um, to or yeah I have no reasons at all to believe that climate change isn't real. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. glo- and then people, you know, I don't want to mince words here. People say climate change is real. Some people say, yeah, you know, parts of the planet are warming. But, but really, at the end of the day, the science is hard to debate. And, and like, yeah. I don't know. I go on the glaciers every every summer, and I see that the glacier <laughs> has moved back every single year. Like, th- and we see the yeah. how hot the summers are getting. So the second thing would be global warming is also real can we agree on that we can agree on that i mean that's not even um really hard or uh that's that's like basic science that's that's yeah. not even hard to measure you you just have uh you just measure the temperature um all over the planet and and then you compare <laughs> it to, to the last i don't know 50 years 100 years and then you can see it's getting warmer. That's that's a fact. Mm-hmm. So now, now that we've established those two things, and we don't have to debate them too much, uh, the next 
question that comes up for debate with people, and and there's more friction on this one, is is climate change caused by humans, and if so, how much is caused by humans? Mm. That is actually also um, a, a really easy fact, um, and we're like we're having these facts for a couple of decades already that there is something which is called um uh i can't remember in english uh, what is it in german because i'm sure some german uh, people will listen to this it's the treibhaus effect it's the oh the greenhouse effect greenhouse effect oh yeah exactly the greenhouse effect yeah um and that means that in we have in the air, air there, there are a few particles which um, have the ability to to um, to warm, to warm the, right more the, than the, other particles. Yeah, I mean um, they have the ability to um, not let through certain. Oh, you're saying like so this the uh, like the energy comes through the atmosphere, but it cannot escape because these these um, particles hold it in. Yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of like greenhouse. You have this you have these glass walls and roof in a glass house, and they let the the the, the beams of the sun through, but they don't let through the the heat beams. Um, which would um, go the other direction out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I'm having a hard time to to explain. Hey, this no worries, no worries. I can, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, um, I took Earth Science three in college, which is not exactly the most advanced science, uh, <laughs> but like we learned the basics on this stuff, and it's it's pretty simple science. It's like. You know, the, the, there's the greenhouse effect. Uh, yeah. There's certain gases that it, uh, accelerate the greenhouse effect, if that's the right word. So yeah. obviously, mean, everyone knows absorbing, about like CO two and yeah, methane and stuff the, like that. Yeah, you're right. I think uh, most of the people um, know what 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 are, what are we are talking about at the moment. So yeah. Um, and it's also a fact that we as humans are emitting these kind of gases um, for in huge quantities. Yeah, I mean, we started we started three hundred years ago to in in very small quantities, and then it became more and more. And at one at some point, we we realized that this is bad. That was. The first time I think we we realized that we're getting in trouble if we continue to um, emit more and more of these gases was 50 years ago, and we have proof that um, that fossil fuels companies um, had intern data and exactly knew that this is going to um, make harm to humanity. So but they just yeah, kept, we already the, know the that fossil fuel um, companies have known this. A lot of people have, a lot of scientists have known this for a long time that humans are making an impact. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. for me, the, the thing the, is, um, the, 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 fossil, oh, sorry, the scientists, which were from the fossil, 
Okay. Uh, the thing is, the scientists uh, which were working for the fossil fuel companies had actually the best data at that time. That was um, late on the late seventies. Um, they they knew better um, and could predict even better uh, how much Earth would heat if they continue um, to pollute um, greenhouse gases. Uh, even better than all the the governments and all all the universities at that time and but they kept it a secret and told to the public that the exact opposite they um always told no it's no it has no problem climate change isn't real it's not caused by humans and all that stuff and so we now we know that they lied to us um it's quite devious and that they knew better yeah uh well yeah that's i mean i guess that's a whole nother issue but but the, but the yeah. fact is is that you know these fossil fuel companies had data which basically means everyone like the point is everyone has known this um that and and, and for me the thing that is yeah, I mean, really striking not, not really is everyone what, well not everyone i guess but but like it's no. it's a good it's yeah, a good starting you, point be... for the conversation okay yeah yeah um and so I'm just taking this conversation slow, I guess, to kind of work our way through it. But the, the I was just trying to say, sorry, I interrupted you just because the uh, Wi-Fi is, is connection is slow on my side. But the what I was saying is the striking thing that I've seen is the graph of uh, CO2 over the centuries, CO2 emissions, uh, or just CO2 in the atmosphere, really. And when you hit like the turn of the century around yeah. 1900, it starts to skyrocket like as the as the industrial revolution ramps up and at the same time temperature starts to skyrocket and and co2 and temperature on any measurement any graph you look at they're just tied together and they're just skyrocketing upwards so when i look at that as an as not a scientist it feels obvious that humans are making an impact. Uh, my question is, do we know how much of an impact humans are making? Like, is that something that is quantifiable? I'm, I'm very sure that this is quantifiable. Um, we have these um, scientific fields, which are um, about distribution. I don't know if that's in English, the right word. Yeah, that is. But they can already, they can... Distribution is that right? Yeah. They they can they can um, already say that if there's like a, a environmental catastrophe, a storm or um, flood, something like that, they can also say um, how much um, climate crisis or climate change uh, influenced this and made it happen um, to which percentage, you know. So wow, yeah. I think we are, we can re, we can say really exactly um, how much our influence is, um, and how much we cause of climate change. And I've seen I've seen data which even said that if um, all if human did if human did nothing, so if there was just the, the natural climate change, it would actually um, become colder at the moment really so the the way that the earth wants to trend is colder but we're just kind of overpowering that is is what yeah. this this study you've seen yeah is saying. if you if you take yeah exactly 
Yeah. If you take all the natural influences on climate um, and put away the human ones, um, then Earth would um, would cool down at the moment. Yeah. Huh. It, and actually, we're due for an ice age. I heard that like the last ice age, ice ages come pretty regularly. And I heard that our ice age mm -hmm. is supposed to be coming soon. Would that be the, the beginning of our ice age? Who knows? Ooh, I guess that's a tough question. I don't know. Um, I know that the last one ended like ten thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. Something around that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I, 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 I just love the movie, really. But I, I've talked, I've learned a bit yeah. in school about ice ages as well. Um, I've I've seen your videos on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I you're love a fan of the ice age movie. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, now that we're at this point in the conversation. I feel like it's really solid ground to kind of get to the, the next point of what can we do about this? Uh, but for anyone, before we get to that, for anyone who's interested in seeing the science or at least seeing what, you know, the, the bulk of science is saying and just agrees upon universally, uh, is there a good place for someone to go to see that data and that science? I'm on, I would recommend to um, look at the page of IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel of on Climate Change. Okay. Um, this is kind of the uh, th that's like the panel which was um, made by the United Nations to uh, bring together um, the world's climate scientists and write one. Um, one report about it. So it's kind of um, the whole um, worldwide climate science in, in one report. That's like the whole climate science agrees on what is standing in there. Uh, thing is the report, um, there are six reports um, by now. The first one was released uh, in 1990. The last one, the sixth one um, came out in April 22. So one and a half years ago. And these reports are normally um, 4,000 um, pages thick. <laughs> so wow. it's it's a lot, but they have um, summaries and stuff. So it's 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 um, the summaries are also written in like scientific language, so it's not that easy to understand them. Um, but I think you can if you if you look a little on that page and um look at the at the at the graphics they're showing um it's pretty obvious to understand that there is a problem I guess. Yeah. Okay. That's that's helpful for people and and I think that even if they don't understand all the language that they're reading, you know, it gives a good uh kind of basis on on all of this science. So yeah, that brings me to what can this do? You know, I obviously I you ha the in the petition there's four bullet points that have outlined what FIS can do. But in terms of for instance the first one, how would an organization that still has to make money, which is an important thing you know, for the organization to stay alive. But so how does an organization who needs to make money, how do they reduce emissions by 50% by 2030? 
Hmm. I would uh, start a little bit um, um, at the back, so okay. that we can connect it. Um, it's like we 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 now um, cleared that there is a problem. You know, um, climate change, world is um, heating, um, things that this this is not good good <laughs> to us. So mm -hmm. um, we're actually right in the path where um, global uh, temperature would rise um, to three degrees to until end of this century. Wow. Um, three to four degrees un until the end of this century, um, which um, climate scientists tell us this would be a genocide. Um, like our global civilization could not um, could not continue in a world that is three or four degrees warmer. Wow. Is that just That's because like, of like the food production would go down and the places to live yeah, everything. would become smaller? We, we and... would see, yeah, we, we would see um, big um, catastrophes like um, droughts and floodings and stuff. Um, there, there, there will be a, a death zone around the equator um, until the end of the century because it will become so hot in this zone that um, people will not be able to live there but in this zone are living at the moment um, one to three billion people yeah so they would have either they, they would either either have to die or move away and um, we have also we see big risks in and in food production um, so we have certain areas on the world where a lot of food is is um, produced and then um, shipped to to the people. And um, as climate change continues, um, it will become riskier and riskier that we have uh, problems to produce this food in multiple of these areas. So, um, yeah. It, so food production will become a problem um and many things many more things will become problems um so that scientists don't believe that um our global civilization as we have it today um can live um in a world that is three or four degrees warmer wow so that's terrifying if that's all true that's absolutely terrifying um <laughs> And I guess that's like it, that's definitely good motivation, you know. I I think that's yeah. something I've, I've talked to yeah. people about before. A lot of people that are skeptical of climate change movements, oftentimes the thing that they'll say is, um, you know, thing the change will happen in terms of electrifying and in terms of reducing travel and all of these things they say but what's the rush so i guess the the rush is yeah. the more the, the further we go without making changes the more irreparable the damage is am i correct in that yeah exactly that's it and the, the thing is um we have some things that they are called tipping points in our climate so um there are certain things um, in our climatic system 
um, which um, once um, moved over this tipping point, it's um, not able to um, go back how it was before, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And we have, like, I think science has 16 of these tipping points we know about. Um, for example, one is the, the Greenland ice shield. Um, that is, the thing is with, for example, to understand more what these tipping points are, um, the Greenland ice shield is 3,000 meters thick. <laughs> Sorry for the metric system. Nah, no worries. <laughs> um, and it snows on top and it melts at the bottom. And as long as it snows on top, that it's no problem that it melts on the bottom because there's always um, snow coming, coming um, again. But if it becomes warmer, then it melts faster than it snows. And one day it will be so warm um, that the, the, the thickness of the ice shield is so little that it doesn't snow anymore, but it rains and then it cannot um, build up anymore. And once we've reached this point, um, the ice shield will melt completely, um, no matter um, what we do, or even if it's get if it gets colder again. Um, and if oh, the Greenland, so what you're shield, saying is, is the ice shield because there's so much ice, it actually it's like a mountain. It's and it's so high in terms of altitude that it snows up at the top. But if that melts exactly. lower below the snow line then then there's no bringing it back up it's just we're, we're it's exactly. just going to keep melting and faster and faster will, yeah and then it will melt until it's gone and if all the if all the water which is um, now in this ice shield um flows into the oceans we will have an, an um, ocean rise of six meters wow that's a lot that that takes out a lot of coastal cities yeah exactly and that is the problem with with these tipping points you once you've reached them there's no going back and that's why we're we, we're rushing that's why we have um we need to act fast because um if we reach uh, more of these tipping points um they also have the effects that they um that they continue the warming do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. It 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 has this accelerating effect, right? Like, yeah. For exactly. instance, once we, like we, the the less the less glaciers we have, the less white we have reflecting sunlight. I guess that's one example. That's one example. Yeah, and there are multiple of these effects. And um, the problem is, if we reach too too many of these tipping points, um, we lose influence and. There at one point, um, it will just become warmer and warmer and warmer, even if we don't um, continue emitting um, greenhouse gases anymore. Um, and that is called um, hothouse earth. And if we reach that point, it will become six or eight degrees warmer in the next centuries. And that would uh, would be a mass extinction event at at Earth. Oh, yikes. So, so the point is, is like, there's a, there's a really crucial point in the near future that we need to hit that involves reducing, uh, our impact very drastically, very quickly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. That's, that's the point um, I was aiming for. We have to reduce our, um, 
greenhouse gas emissions really fast to um, avoid this catastrophe. And now the question is, um, how can we reduce them, these greenhouse gas emissions? And science tells us um, um, they're really sure about that we cannot um, make this um, only with uh, technology change. There is, we need to adapt um, our um, behaviors to be able to really lower our impact in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so it, we have to, uh, basically you're talking about lifestyle changes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As I mentioned last week, this company called magic mind sent me a few bottles of their product. I actually drank one this morning. Basically, it's just a bunch of good nutrients for brain functioning. There's matcha, there's vitamins, there's some nootropics. It's been super helpful. I used it for several days in a row at a recent training camp. It was especially helpful because they were super long days on the ski slope, like a 6 a.m. session in the morning, a 2 p.m. session in the afternoon, and trying to wake up quickly in the morning. I've never been a, a coffee person, per se. This felt gentler. There's less caffeine than coffee in this. And then trying to get focused and stay focused for that second session in the same day, my, my brain was a little less foggy. By the way, all of the ingredients are all natural. They're all approved on the WADA list. If you want to learn more, the website has all of the ingredients listed, plus linked peer-reviewed articles on each ingredient. So I want to thank Magic Mind for supporting the podcast and for supporting the old brain. Uh, you can get some of Magic mind at magicmind.com slash arc city. I recommend the subscription because you get 56% off with the code arc city 20 or 20% off a one-time purchase again with that code arc city 20. Anyways, link is in the description. Let's get back to the interview. I had one question that was actually really, I'm really interested in it, it, When you were talking about the, uh, we we're backtracking a little bit, but when you were talking about these warnings of what science is telling us, um, you know, that it will be three to four degrees at the end of the century for people to believe those warnings, sometimes it takes a lot of trust in science and, and weird. And some people don't have a lot of trust in science. So let's go back to 1970 when you said that scientists were discovering uh, cl climate change and global warming. Do you know, and this is a, a random question, but do you know, like in, in the seventies and the eighties were scientists saying it will warm up this much by 2023 and they were right or wrong. Do you know about that? Yeah. Yeah. They were, um, pretty right. Okay. And the thing is it happened even faster than they were, than they were predicting. So they were predicting um, mostly the warming we have now um, for 2050. Wow. Okay. So everything is just accelerating faster than we thought it would. So that, that to me, that gives yeah. a lot of validity to the idea that we're going to be at three or four degrees uh, at the end of the century. So now back to what we were just talking about, lifestyle changes what does that involve like yeah um 
yeah that involves a lot of different different things um like um eating less meat um choosing different uh travel options so not not flying and driving so much but more riding with train and public transport um it's it's about how we build our cities it, it's it's about how we heat our homes um and all that stuff it's it's also about how we how we get the energy for industry production um all that and that's really most of 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 the parts of our society um would have to change in a certain way not not they would not become worse but just different i think yeah and, yeah yeah and um the thing is uh the, to reach that big change we need um we need another system we cannot we cannot tell people um to drive less or fly less or eat less meat and to decide that on an individualistic level we we need like um different um frame conditions to because now we have a system which um leads people to unsustainable behaviors we uh we like it's easier it's cheaper and it's more convenient to behave um unsustainable and i think that has to change and to change that we need um politics to act uh-huh. um and in in this in in this in this sense i view um fis also as um politicians or like um, definitely yeah makers. it's fist is they, a, they is the a rule small form of government sport. yeah exactly and that's why i'm i was trying to target or i am still trying to target fist to make changes um because we need um different frame conditions to be even able to act more um sustainably yep so that's a whole wow that i guess that's another whole conversation because you know and that's one where i don't want to get too bogged down into the weeds right now but a lot of arguments uh against these lifestyle changes or at least lifestyle changes in a really quick short term is that there are you know meat companies employ lots of people like the the economy is is based around so many companies that do unsustainable things so that like people are always Mm. worried oh i'll lose my job or or it'll be more expensive to eat in a sustainable way or to or to get a job that is in a sustainable area so like what would you say to to those people that are worried about the economy and jobs and just the the way that life is currently going yeah i mean i understand those worries um and those are really uh, those worries are are right um at, at at some point because um we have to we have to do um some big changes and it's always hard uh to look 
that everyone um, can follow these changes and uh, is not left behind. Um, but uh, the economy will also die um, if the planet around us um, becomes more and more unlivable. Um, so even for the economy, we need to make these changes um, to to look that everyone has a job in the future or has um, um, like a future where they can live um, a good life. Yeah, you know? that, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. So mm. now in terms of we are targeting, or sorry, you um, are, mm. are targeting uh, and a lot of people with you, but you are targeting this and asking them for change and uh, do you have ideas in terms of how that change could happen and in, in terms of how FIS could be more environmentally friendly and reduce their emissions? Um, or are you kind of just calling on them to come up with those ideas themselves? I mean, I have some ideas. Um, and in the, we, in the open letter, we had like these demands, which are more um, general but we have we had an addendum and and the, in the first letter where we have we had these suggestions what what fis could do what we think um could um lead us to these goals fis already has um and those are things like um starting the season later um having a geographical um reasonable race calendar to have not that much um, travel distances um yeah to encourage the national federations for example um to to become more um sustainably sustainable um in terms of climate change um to make maybe a reward system uh, or something for the national federations um, to demand from the event locations to fulfill certain um, standards, um, to educate people, to um, advocate on a political level. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. But um, I'm no, I'm not that much of an expert to to be able to say to FIS what exactly they have to do. Um, but I think, or what I'm demanding is that they um, hire people who studied this and who are way more um, intelligent than me and tell them that they should make a strategy of how to become more sustainable or um, to how, how they want to achieve their own goals of 50% uh, emissions reduction by 2030 and um, climate neutrality by 2040. Because FIS already signed um, contracts or frameworks where they said they that they want to um, become uh, climate neutral until 2040. So they they said that. Do they have a plan yet, or is that just they said climate neutral by 2040? 
they just said that uh, um, even four years ago happened. That happened four years ago that um, FIS signed a framework from United Nations, which is called um, Sports for Climate Action Framework. And by signing that, they said that they want to um, halve their emissions until 2030 and be climate neutral until 2040. But <laughs> um, the four years later, after signing that, we are in this situation that FIS is until now does not know exactly how much the emissions of the Federation really are. So it's pretty hard. We're still not knowing how much we want to have. <laughs> so I think we're pretty far behind of that plan. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it it seems more like they they signed it to to get people off of their back. So this yeah. brings me to a, something that I struggle with a lot, which is I love sports so much, and. It, it like it's such a beautiful part of humanity sports it brings people together it it gives people a purpose yeah. it you know it 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 gives the ability to to climb out of a a deep hole whether it's emotional like financial whatever maybe not yeah, skiing awesome. <laughs> skiing doesn't get you out of financial hole <laughs> um the, <laughs> the point is uh it's so hard to balance this in my mind with trying to save the climate because i'm just like to myself, oh, you know, maybe I'll just finish my ski career in 10 years and then I can think about climate change, but, or then I can, you know, stop traveling around. But I think a lot of people think this way of, I don't need to make the change now, but maybe I will eventually, or, or you can't get rid of sports. You can't change the way sports are played or, or skiing is done. You just can't change that. And that's non-negotiable. So what would you say to those people? Like, how would you convince like how would you convince me that i like i need to take action then and i can't like sports have to change a little bit yeah i think um it's i think it's possible to like go skiing um and don't have uh, too big an of an impact on on climate and and on our environment um and all I would say is uh, don't um, put too much weight on your own um, on your own carbon footprint, um, and instead see your influence you can have, um, kind of your handprint, your political handprint, and try to advocate for change because it's very hard to. Um, to make the change happen for yourself to like um, decide for yourself to not fly anymore or or travel by train or stuff like that um, and it's um, way easier to advocate for a systemic change so that everyone um, is able or it's easier for everyone to act um, more sustainably and not only easier, but also cheaper and um, more convenient, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. See, so, what I'm what I'm hearing you say is like you, we need to advocate to FIS and to our local governments and our national governments because 
they're the ones that make the rules. Because right now, if like, say the, you know, the Austrian team decided they were going to be carbon neutral and they're going to do one less camp to the Southern hemisphere every year. Well, everybody else is going to the Southern hemisphere. So it just feels pretty stupid. But if there was a rule, you know, you can't go to the Southern hemisphere. I'm not saying that it should be a rule, but if there was a rule, like rules are what kind of drive everybody to do something a certain way. If one person does it, a lot of like if one person doesn't eat meat, a lot of people look at them and they go, "Ooh, weird, a vegetarian." I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of vegetarians. I know a lot of great vegetarians, but <laughs> but I I think you you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, the target the, should be the government. Yeah, exactly. Because we're all in a in like in a competition, and we can't afford to do things um, which make us which would make us uh, less competitive. You know. Um, mm-hmm. so the, the Austrian team or any other team doesn't really have the option to say, um, we're not going to the Southern hemisphere because that would be, um, very bad, um, for the competitions because the training camps in the Southern hemisphere are just very good. Um, and they, they help a lot with, um, with training, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. So. And, but if if there was a rule that um, this can't happen, then it would be a fair competition again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then another question that always pops up with this stuff is, how can you advocate? And I'm I'm saying you, but I'm also saying everybody in general. How can mm-hmm. you advocate for the climate when you fly around and you are are not exactly carbon neutral people feel like they can't advocate if they're part of the quote-unquote problem mm-hmm. yeah the thing is the problem is 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 not the individual it's the system and um in in we're living in a very unsustainable world and it's not possible to have it's it's really impossible to live a fully 100 percent sustainable life inside this world so if everyone who's not perfect would not be allowed to talk about it. No one would talk about it. Um, that's it's the principle is called um, imperfect ad- advocacy or imperfect activism, um, which is just, uh, which says that we, we should be aware that um, we um, are surrounded by an um, unsustainable world and we live inside this unsustainable system and we cannot um it's it's impossible like to be fully sustainable inside this world inside this system so um we have to be aware of that and focus on changing this system um and uh, yeah that's it that that's that i think you said that really well i think <laughs> Thank that you. was um well said yeah um i'm trying to think if i i've gone through all of the questions that i've written down um, I, I came into this interview all jazzed up. Like, I got to make sure I'm tough on him. I got to make sure that, you know, because I, I talked to a lot of people before I did this interview and I wanted to gather a lot of ideas. And mm-hmm. there are people that are fully on board. There are people that are, are, are pow all the way and they sign the petition and they're bought in. But there's uh, plenty of other people that have skepticism or they say, why? 
now, or we don't need to do that much, or or other people just like to talk about the small details. They like to say, well, you can't switch to electric cars now. It's overpowering the grid. Look at what happened in California. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's lots of small things you can debate about this. Um, mm-hmm. And I, 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 I guess it's nice to not get into the weeds with you on any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm just trying to think right now if there's any other questions that people bring up to me and they say, this, this is why, you know, this is a problem with, with mm-hmm. the, with the petition or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you have any response to that. I mean, no one says that it would be easy, um, to make this change, but, um, I think we have to, to make it somehow, um, because, um, there's too much, um, how's that called on the stakes? There's too much riding on it. Yeah. The stakes are too high. Yeah. It's, stakes are too high to, um, have these, oh, wait a minute. To have these excuses. <laughs> Did you just do a little quick translate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. You know. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, those are excuses um, to to not do anything. I think people who want to really change something, they find ways, and people who don't want to change anything, they find excuses. Um, so I think it's it's true that there are like every solution creates a new problem. So we, we will have problems all the way um, to make this, but uh, it's it's too much uh, of a problem to do not to do nothing like we yeah. should at least try to solve this yeah well i i guess this start this kind of brings us close to the end of the interview uh but mm-hmm. i just wanted to ask um how is the return to snow going i i don't know if i'll, I'll probably introduce you in my uh introduction and say you know julian is a is a ski racer you ski world cup speed right but you got injured uh last year yeah in kitzbühel Mm -hmm. and the and the return to snow you're three days back on snow and things are feeling good tomorrow will be the third one yeah um it's feeling very good I, i don't have any pain or something um i also feel uh really really safe on snow like it doesn't feel weird at all or it, it it kind of feels the same way as it felt um nine months ago when uh, uh when it wasn't snow the last time so um yeah it's going good nice that's really good to hear does it Thanks. feel like your man I, I my instincts are taking over and i just want to know more about you as a skier but we, we really do need to end this soon but i'm curious uh does it feel like this climate thing is distracting from your ski career or does it give your ski career more of a motivation and a purpose or maybe both? Yeah. It's my main motivation, um, for a long time now at all. Yeah. Um, I, I could tell a, a short story. Um, I was four years ago. Um, I, there was a point in my life where I really realized um, on an 
emotional level um how big this problem of climate change is um because i heard a speech of a climate activist um she said that um at the end of the century on this world um it will be able for maybe two billion people to live here um and i thought okay there will be 10 or 11 billion um at that time so my my thoughts were um do this eight nine billion people have to die <laughs> and and then i thought that that will happen in a time where i will be still alive hopefully so mm -hmm. either i'm one of the eight nine billion who have to die because of climate change or i'm one of the two billion who survives and watches the others die um, and both both options didn't seem um very nice to me so <laughs> i thought I, I don't want to be is that's dark yeah i i was really thinking i don't want to be um part of this system anymore and that that made me go in a really deep hole of um also mentally and um i couldn't justify um for myself what i was doing there having this big impact with these lot with lots of travel emissions and stuff um and i was quite sure um that i wanted to quit my career because of that um and wow I also I also lost motivation and um my results were really bad at that time. And then I had a really a really nice conversation with my um psychologist and we found a way out of this situation by um and by having this plan to continue skiing um and trying to become become really good at it and then using the influence and the platform I have in sports um, to advocate for uh, climate justice. So, yeah, and that was three and a half or four years ago. And since that day, um, my main motivation for skiing is exactly that. And my everyday, my everyday motivation is um to become a really good skier and to use my influence um to make uh the world uh, <laughs> a little bit of a better place nice i i really like that so yeah in, in in terms of that um to answer your question uh, my efforts in climate advocacy are really helping my career because it gives me um some purpose that i yeah that's that's cool that's definitely very cool. Thanks. So my last question before we go, what can people do on a daily basis or what can people do today or tomorrow to chip in in, one, in, in some way if they believe in this cause? Um, yeah, my, I think the, the best thing you can do is like to become active on a political level. And there are many movements uh, you could join. Um, it depends on what you would like to do the best or what, in your view, um, can make the most change. Um, there are like movements who who do petitions and advocate um, like um, 
for example, Protect Our Winters, the organization I'm doing this uh, petition with, um, did does things like they do gl glacier funerals, like um, some oh. some nice actions, um, which which are uh, not that disrupting, but um, have a good influence um, and outreach. But um, I also uh, really sympathize with um, more dramatic um, ways of protesting. So uh, if if you want to, and if you if you think that um, you can make some change, you you could you can glue yourself to the streets. But, uh, <laughs> I heard about this. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty popular here in Germany and Austria. I don't know about, um, I think also in in UK, um, there's a movement which is called Just Stop Oil. Um, they are sometimes gluing themselves to the street or having these slow marches, which is very disruptive, like you're blocking um, the, you're, you're blocking traffic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've is, seen videos and I've heard about this yeah, stuff. Yeah, which is controversial because um, you it's it's disruptive for everyday people, which is not the target um, for the for the actions, you know, mm -hmm. and the target is always politics. Um, they have to do the change, but you're gaining a lot of media interest if you're blocking um, everyday people. Unfortunately, it would be yeah. easier if if if. Um, other things would 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 work that well, like um, gluing themselves in front of parliaments or stuff. But um, the media they 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 tried all these things, but the media interest is not that high. Um, so yeah, you you can join any movement. Um, but yeah, my tip is that don't don't watch too much on your own footprint. Um, don't. Uh, but would it be helpful so if much. someone really felt strongly would it be helpful if they went vegetarian or something like that like are you sure. vegetarian yeah i try to be vegan um when i'm at home it works very well when i'm um in hotels and <laughs> when you're traveling in, in austria yeah. in hotels it's probably difficult <laughs> it's very difficult yeah so when i'm traveling i'm vegetarian yeah and when i'm at home i'm yeah we vegan yeah, but yeah, you can do all those things. There's, it's everything is great. Um, ride an electrical car instead of uh, a, a diesel or, um, yeah, petrol, a fueled yeah. one. Petrol, exactly. Or ride even better. Ride the train. Um, live live in a smaller flat. <laughs> um, choose choose the right the right heating if you buy a new uh, if you build a new house or you know all those things are good but um we won't be able to make the necessary change in in the necessary tempo um if politics um don't change the system or the the frame frame conditions yeah so yeah. My, my tip is um Go on the streets. Um, tell tell your policymakers to uh, make the change. To make a change. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
finished that conversation with Julian and I was reeling. I, I actually went outside and sort of dramatically looked up at the Pitstall Glacier and thought to myself, wow, how lucky am I that I get to ski in October? This won't exist in 20 years and 60 years. Skiing might not exist. I felt like doomsday had arrived. But the feeling subsided. I talked to a good friend and a fellow ski racer of mine, and he made a really good point. If you believe that the world has gone to the dogs and that it's your fault, that it's our fault, that's a brutal way to live. And I absolutely vow to not be that classic doom-impending journalist who preys on people's fascination with dark drama and doesn't even offer a solution. My conclusion as a subjective journalist is this. We've got to make an effort. We've got to. It would feel wrong not to. But don't let the climate crisis put you in an actual depression. Keep your chin up. No history nugget this time, but before we go, I have a little crumb for you. I was just thinking about this the other day. Did you know 20,000 years ago, the entirety of the European Alps was covered in a giant ice sheet? It's my understanding that even the tallest and pointiest mountains like the Matterhorn were completely covered. Like also all of Northern Russia, Northern Europe, Scandinavia, Britain, New England, the American Midwest, all of Canada, the New Zealand Alps, the Himalayas, the Andes, all covered in ice. Like if you've seen the movie Ice Age, favorite movie, favorite movie of all time, by the way, Uh, it looked like that frozen tundra, bunch of crazy creatures romping around mammoths and stuff like that so sometimes i like to think about a scenario in which our current civilization existed during the peak of that last ice age which was around twenty thousand years ago skiing would be the sport snow access would be democratized there would be so many more skiers from so many more places we could ski year round without having to travel to find glaciers way up in the mountains it would have been insane ski racing paradise Unfortunately, humans invented the chairlift just 20,000 years too late. But also, think about this. The glacier ice that we ski on every summer nowadays in Europe, it's probably like 80,000 years old. And with that, I bid you farewell for now. Until next time, don't forget to carpool, to pray for an ice age, and to appreciate just how awesome ski racing is despite its flaws i'm jimmy krupka and thank you for visiting arc city